0: You know, yes, I was abused, yes, I was wrong, but how did I play a part? Because if I went in, Patrick, and was like, ah, I'm a victim, that was bull crap what these people did to me, and I didn't do the internal work to understand the part that I played in it, I'm destined to repeat that. I'll be right back in it, because that's the pattern that I'm attracted to. So it was really understanding what level of responsibility and self-accountability do I have in my healing to understand what role i played because if i understand the role that i play then i also can learn how to break it
1: what's up everybody i'm your host patrick cook welcome to being Woo! Woo! being is a place where we gather to explore some of life's most difficult questions What does it mean to lead a meaningful life? What does it mean to live a life of purpose or on purpose? How do we make sense of the world? Really what we're asking is, what the hell is going on? My intention with this podcast is to explore what it means to be human in the modern world through the lens of creativity, consciousness, and personal development. Through authentic conversations with a wide array of guests, including artists, intellectuals, scientists, visionaries, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders, BEING ventures to make collective sense of an increasingly complex world with the unifying goal of building a sustainable future for all. As humanity continues to march full steam towards extinction, we can no longer afford to simply ask, what is best for me? The question now must become, what is best for me and the whole simultaneously. And so dear audience, I want to inspire you to take full responsibility, to find your purpose and to engage your evolution as a conscious agent. I challenge you to live your being. If you're enjoying the content, please do subscribe to the show and get a new episode delivered directly to your device every Friday. And, as always, I love hearing from you. So please do rate and review the episode on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whichever platform you prefer. And hey, I might even read your review on a future episode. Here's another five-star review from Caitlin O'Hara. She says, genuine, alive podcast worth your time. Patrick is a great guy with fascinating guests. If you're looking for a relatable best mate on all aspects of health, you're in the right place. For show notes and more information, head on over to being-podcast.com. Now, on with the show. The following episode is incredibly powerful, important, and relevant to the global situation we find ourselves in. My guest today is Ali Zek, and hearing her story and her perspective may, for some, be incredibly triggering and difficult to listen to. This is a deep discussion in which we cover many topics, including victim identity, gaslighting, narcissistic abuse, the dangers of pharmaceuticals, cognitive dissonance, unconsciousness and corruption in the mental health establishment, governmental abuse in times of COVID, mainstream media monopoly, and the agenda of the billionaire class that is moving us toward a neo-feudal, technocratic digital slavery state. No matter how dark and uncomfortable the subject matter may be, and even if there's things you disagree with, I invite you to listen all the way to the end with an open mind and an open heart, as we do discuss solutions and what we can do as individuals to become awakened, to become healthy, and to become empowered to stand up for our rights and freedoms in this very challenging time. Thank you for listening. Ali Zek, welcome to being. Thank you so much for being here.
0: Thank you for having me, Patrick.
1: This is really exciting. I came across your content and your, your um profile about a year ago, and I was immediately drawn to you. Your authenticity, your bravery, your masterful articulation, your vulnerability, your courage to speak your truth all resonated so deeply with me. And then also I was fascinated about your story and your journey about being a trauma survivor, a suicide attempt survivor who was abused and misdiagnosed by a medical system that was supposed to help you heal. And then to have the courage to turn your life around, to heal yourself, and then become uh, a beacon of truth and transparency, speaking out against a toxic and highly corrupted society and global power structure. So I'm absolutely honored to have you on the show and um, share in uh, helping you Uh, Broadcast your mission and your message. So, thank you for taking the time to be here.
0: I appreciate you asking me.
1: Yes. So, for those who may not be familiar with your journey, would you mind sort of taking us through? um, I know it's probably a big question, but uh, um, your journey and how you arrived in this present moment.
0: Yeah. um, And it's interesting because, um, you know, the more I heal and the more I step into healing, the uh, entire story kind of changes my, my view of it changes if that makes sense, And so I see it from a different vantage point. Um, just, you know, in the regard that when I was first coming out of it, I really saw myself as very much a victim, which I was.
1: Mm.
0: As the more healing I do, it's like, um, the bigger, the um, blessings I see that have come out of it, um, as, as uh, traumatic and as harmful as it was, my viewpoint kind of shifts if that makes sense. And I step into more of an empowered um, and blessed state, um, even in light of, you know, what I've gone through. But yeah. in a nutshell, um, I was um, diagnosed, you know, in college um, with an, an eating disorder, bulimia, and then overexercise. And the standard of care at that time was um, really just, um, you know, Prozac. Prozac was a, the second generation SSRI that had come out, I think, two years earlier. And the doctors were really excited to put me on that. Um, and I didn't know any different. I had grown up in a family that, um, you know, we kind of turned our noses up at DOs or chiropractors. Um, it was all about mm. medical doctors and degrees. And so uh, it was just a very natural thing for me to accept the diagnosis and um, start taking the Prozac. And so that was really what um, I call that a missed opportunity at the time, because what was really going on was I was a um, accustomed to being a very big fish in a little pond in my high school in the town I grew up in. But I went to college where I was a little fish in a big pond and mm. did not have any time management skills, you know, stress skills, no, no concept of meditation. I grew up in a family that was very chaotic. And so that chaos just kind of followed me. And it became insurmountable really to me, I didn't know how to deal with it. So I started naturally um, adopting, you know, adapting defense mechanisms um, eating disorder, like controlling my food, um, controlling what I ate, uh, making myself throw up, exercising if I wasn't losing weight. So it was very much looking back now, it was really actually really kind of crafty of my brain to come up with these ways to control, you know, what I thought was a very chaotic environment, which it was. So that was, but that was a really kind of my venture into the mental health system, because that really labeled me um, and gave me that imprint of, yes, I'm mentally ill. Yes, I kind of feel special in a way because I'm mentally ill. I need medication. Um, and that was re- really imprinted in my brain and, and took me into the system. Even though I grew up in the system, you know, I, I my, again, my family really, believed in that it was what sent me into the system and embedded me in the system. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And then I, um, went a few years and I think I went off the medication for a couple of years and then, um, you know, got married, had kids. And, um, then there was um, some major marital problems in my marriage when I was around 30 and, um, there was a lot of infidelity. And so I went to my OBGYN I was pregnant at the time. And I was, um, extremely stressed out. And, you know, I don't fault them because honestly, looking back, what were they supposed to do? I mean, he just basically was like, you know, we can put you back on Prozac. That's worked for you in the past. And so I went back on Prozac while I was pregnant. Um, Luckily, my son is fine. You know, that was uh, on there while I was pregnant with. Um, He's completely fine, but um, started back on there. And again, it was just like, not noticing or not wanting to look at all of the trauma and the abuse that I was being subjected to and instead kind of focusing my mental illness, which was really Patrick, my reaction, um, you know, to the abuse that I was suffering um, because I was, you know, coping mechanisms were, it was just a, a, a lot of abuse, a lot of, um, a lot of trauma going on. But again, I kind of resubmitted to me that I was mentally ill and then as a result of a lot more abuse, a lot more trauma, some more infidelities um, in my marriage. And I was very much involved in a um, family system that I married into that is, um, you know, some people would call them narcissists. You can label them as, um, you know, high, high on the narcissistic spectrum. And, and what I like to say now is it's just a very unconscious family, um, family system, as was I in order to participate in it. Um, and so it's a a very long standing pattern of generational abuse. My own family system had that as well. And I carried it with me and it was kind of like a perfect match. Um, but so over the years, I, you know, initially I would speak my truth or speak boundaries or set boundaries and they were just continually violated, Mm -hmm. With the merging of uh, my mental illness and me believing in that and me feeling like I was mentally ill because I had these insane trauma responses. Um, It was just like a perfect storm of, you know, me believing I'm mentally ill, me feeling like I'm mentally ill, me acting like I'm mentally ill. And then you bring in more drugs and it was just like a spiral combined with more abuse, more abuse. And then at one point, kind of everyone, including myself, um, psychiatrists, you know, mental health practitioners, the family I was married into all kind of turned on me. And I became the issue Mm. was like, you know, she's caused a lot of these problems and I believe Mm. that. Um, So it was just a, um, a um, spiral of just, you know, oppressive, very unconscious, really unconscious energy Uh, and and then, you know, over the years it was add more drugs, add more drugs. And then it was like, um, you know, I I hate to get into it too much, but I have a little bit of the genetic, um, very common genetic, um, chromosome deficiency that a lot of people have where I don't metabolize psychiatric drugs.
1: And Mm. I
0: was highly, I am highly allergic to them. And that, um, just cascaded tons of psychosis. Um, for me, um, the the multiple suicide attempts, it was um, very, very much an alternate reality that I lived in, and uh, that's you know that's my story. That's kind of what happened, and then the healing trajectory for me has been um, very profound, uh, very divinely inspired. Um, hmm. Where I know that there have been um, you know beings around me uh and angels you know whatever you want to call them that have been guiding me and protecting me um so it's it's you know in a nutshell that's kind of my story
1: (laughs) wow thank you so much first of all for sharing so openly and vulnerably there's so much power in it um but i'm really um Amazed at your sort of macro vision of it now, looking back, is so um, you know comprehensive. You can sort of see the big picture of what was really going on, and and show compassion for the people, the doctors, the the family, and recognizing that they were acting unconsciously. But I think what you're describing is 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 a global, uh, species wide problem of of unconscious ancestral patterns proliferating over generations. And so that's why the work that you're doing right now is so powerful and so needed to sort of um, help people awaken to those unconscious patterns and then help to break them and become more empowered in themselves. And I think that's what we're seeing globally uh, is that spiritual awakening, that shift from unconscious patterns to to conscious patterns. So that's incredible. But I think you know one of my intentions for this podcast is to not only sort of diagnose and become aware of the problem space and and talk about it, but also to offer practical solutions. So I'm curious, when did you first start to recognize that it wasn't just you that was off, that there was something in the society and the family the unconscious beliefs? Like, how did you make that shift in your mind to, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a really good question. That's a great question. And it's really an interesting point because And it's going to sound crazy to people that have not been involved in abuse, or it may sound crazy to people that haven't been involved in this type of psychological, um, there was physical abuse too, but it was a lot Mm. psychologically from a lot from a, from a system, if that makes sense. Very, very set in their ways. Um, And I, um, my husband and I had set my ex-husband and I had separated and I um, was beyond, um, Messed up. I mean, beyond. I actually had one more suicide attempt after all of my drugs were stopped. Um, It was a level of gaslighting that I've, um, it's very, very, very large levels of gaslighting by the entire system again. And I was talking to, I found a trauma counselor named Chris Page that I was friends with on Facebook and uh, worked with him remotely as a coach um, because he wasn't licensed in that state but I remember sitting on my bathroom floor one day talking to him and this may sound really crazy, but he was like, has anyone ever told you you've been abused? And I I mean, again, there was physical abuse and there was emotional abuse and it was like, um, no, like, wow. Like, um, because the, the counselor that I had seen this family counselor, she's a PhD level, um, with a doctorate. Um, I would seen her for years. She knew the whole family. She knew about all of the abuse. Mm. I also think she's extremely unconscious. I think she's possibly, you know, very, she's really religiously ordained and extremely shaming. And she was always blaming me. I mean, it was really mm. odd the way it, it panned out for everything, even though she knew about, you know, all the abuse and the affairs and the infidelity, But he said this, Chris Page said to me, did you, you know, did you know, realize that you've been abused? And I was just like, um, no, no. And that was really a shift for me. That was a really, really shift. Like, no. And then I started getting really pissed. I was like, oh my God. And so then I went to my kids who had also been abused and our family was, excuse my language, shit show. I mean- You know, my husband had left. He had left for a much younger partner that's younger than my kids. And we were all up at like, it just disarray. There was financial abuse going. I was just a mess. And my kids hated me. You know, they blamed me for a lot of it Um, because I I had been crazy. And I blamed myself and then my kids quit talking to me. It was insane. So um, I went to my kids and I was like, hey, I think... You guys should maybe, you know, give him the option. Do you want to work with him? So then they all started working with him too. And they were kind of like, oh shit, like what is going on? It was very much a kind of a red pill moment where I know it sounds crazy, but I just, I I think from my own childhood, I was never physically abused, but there was a lot of just emotional chaos where Mm. you can't get direct communication with people. There's a lot of indirect, passive aggressive, um, victim enmeshment You know, you owe me. Um, I was parentified by my parents. I was responsible for them. So I started working with Chris, and that was mind blowing. And then I found a counselor that is, uh, or a coach named Tammy Joyce, that's really very, very strong in um, healing from narcissistic abuse. And I hate to label things because I've been a victim of labeling. And so again, I'm just going to call it unconsciousness. Um, But to me, as someone that's high on the narcissistic spectrum, is someone that is, um, excuse me, let me turn this off really fast. Sure. Sorry, I thought I'd turn that off. Um, someone that is unconscious is someone that is, um, someone that's narcissistic is someone that is very, very unconscious and they're unaware that they're unconscious. I call consciously yeah. unconscious. They just don't have a clue. Um, yeah. and so, it is, um, so that's what I consider narcissism to be now. They're just not aware of it. They're, there's mm. no one there. The, the childhood trauma was usually so insane and intense that in order to survive, that person's psyche had to split um, and create and kind of encapsulate this false self person off that operates in the real real world. And that's what we, you know, that's what I attach to is this person is real, although that person wasn't real, if that makes sense. So I started working with Tammy and then she started explaining to my kids and I, again, it was their choice, um, the concept of narcissistic abuse. And um, it was, again, very revolutionary to me. I have never um, dealt with such a high level of um, kind of drinking through a fire hose uh, Mm -hmm. of so much information and awakening and layers being peeled off. Um, It was really, really intense. And... um, really painful. I mean, very, very, very painful for many, many months um, of just going back in and and Tammy has been doing it for, I think, 20 years. You know, and she said that in her 20 years, she had never seen someone be so gaslit um, where I had so many people, you know, I had the mental health community, uh, my doctors, a family, a husband, you know, all um, subjecting their false Version of reality onto me, and I accepted it. And I, mm. my entire life, you know, around this um, this false reality, uh, I oriented myself around. I'm mentally ill. I'm a bad person. I'm a crappy wife. I'm a bad mom. This is why my husband cheats on me. I need to be prettier, smarter, faster, better, stronger, um, and then and my life will be safe. You know, I'll be safe. Um, mm. At the end of the day, one thing I feel like is humans. It's not necessarily happiness, I think, that we really seek. It's it's safety. Um, yeah. And that's what I've been seeking my whole life is just feeling safe. And I went from a parental home where I wasn't safe into a marriage where I wasn't safe. And now it's extraordinary because I am creating the safety, you know, all my own. It's really
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, empowering. But so that was, you know, Chris Page was a revolutionary moment. Tammy Joyce explaining, you know, narcissistic abuse was revolutionary to me. And those were kind of the real, you know, segues into my healing that what, you know, I call them red pills Um, to kind of sound cliche, but that was what really opened my eyes. Like, oh my gosh, this is not what I thought. And I, you know, I want to explain to people, I don't know if anyone's ever dealt with that, but understand that even out in the world right now, People, we orient ourselves in our lives, everything, you know, our thoughts, beliefs, actions, behaviors, our schedules, all orient around our version of reality. Mm -hmm. And that's what everything, you know, goes around. And so my entire reality, when my husband, you know, left was just destroyed. I mean, everything I knew was destroyed. And then I also had a really large smear campaign because in order to justify what he was doing, he had to smear me, you know, behind my back. And so I lost, you know, probably 30 friends, post family and friends that I don't no longer speak to. Uh, so it was like my entire world got flipped upside down. And it was a process of um, coming to understand, you know, yes, you were abused. I was abused. Oh, my gosh. Well, hold on. Was I mentally ill? No, I wasn't mentally ill. Well, then why did I, you know, attempt suicide? Well, because the drugs you know, have that predisposition they can make you. And then also you were gaslit so much. Yeah, but that's pretty weak. Why would you attempt suicide just because you're a gaslit? Well, because you bought into the fantasy of the, you know, the fantasy version and that made you feel like you didn't have any options. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a, a study in psychological, you know, warfare really um, and, and coming in and, you know setting your own reality um, apart from what you know the outside world is maybe falsely trying to tell you.
1: Mm. Wow, what a powerful powerful story and so much um, learning and wisdom that you share from it is just it's so incredible. Thank you for everything you're doing. Um, what what you're talking about is this sort of medical establishment that is operating unconsciously and convincing people gaslighting people that they are sick and they need to be on meds and primarily unconsciously, like you mentioned about that, uh, that woman you dealt with, she doesn't even know she's doing it. She's right. just sort of reciting, you know, her education, her doc- indoctrination, and she thinks she's doing the best for you. And, and so you believe that she, she's doing the best for you. And that's where we get into trouble. Yeah. So, you know, Deconstructing that is incredibly challenging wh- because it takes a level of profound self trust mm-hmm. and this has been prevalent in my journey, and i didn 't go through any sort of um, level of trauma that you did, but um, you know getting to a point where I recognized okay everything i 've built uh, is false in some way, you know my identity, my career, even my marriage to a certain extent you know all had to be dismantled in order for me to come back to a a baseline where I could then build, okay, who am I really? You know, what is, you know, what is my version of reality? What are my beliefs? Everything needed to be questioned. And I think that's the first step that people need to go through is like, okay. And and it's terrifying because you've built this identity sometimes into middle life. And that's what a a midlife crisis is like, holy shit. I'm none of these things that I thought I was, then who the hell am I? And that question is very, uh, challenging for a lot of people and why people don't do this work is just like, I can't deal with that. I'm just going to continue my unconscious behavior or my drinking or my addictions or whatever it is and just skate through life unconsciously. So um, I applaud anybody who has the courage to go down this path and, and really do this work because it's exactly what's needed in the world. Yeah. Um, I love the way that you also draw a comparison. You talked about gaslighting a lot. You draw a comparison in your post and your content between the abusive manipulative, uh, dynamic you experienced in your relationship to uh, the relationship that's happening now between governments and citizens. Could you unpack that a little bit for us?
0: Yeah, that was really interesting too. Again, it was, um, kind of came in pretty quickly in like January, February of 2020, um, you know, because once you start doing that work, Patrick, you know that you start feeling the sensations in your body. You're no longer, you know,
1: totally kind of
0: down. You're not, you know, anesthetizing yourself any longer. So you become very aware, almost hyper aware of how you feel. Yeah. Um, and so I started feeling the same way in January, February, early February of last year, as I had felt when I was being gaslit before. Mm. It logically wasn't making sense to me. Um, And then I I started noticing parallels and I did some research and then I started noticing noticing the hypocrisy, um, understanding that um, I had been a victim of that system, too. You know, I had been a victim of big pharma. Um, I personally call um, psychiatric medications and and, um, vaccines soft arm kills of um, Mm -hmm. big pharma uh, because there's so much plausible deniability meaning that they can't actually prove, you know, if I had, att- if I had been successful in my suicide attempts, they would have said, well, she died of mental illness. And that's what happens to thousands of people. They die of mental illness, but it, it says on the label, you know, these drugs can cause suicidal behavior." So no one's actually saying, well, no, actually it was the drugs. Um, so there's so much plausible di- deniability that they can get away with. So I, you know, as a victim of that system too, and I'm like, hold on a second. I'm watching the same patterns unfolding on the macrocosm that I experience on the microcosm of self. And they feel the same. They look the same. um, And I know this is what's going on. And then it was like, again, it was a really big red pill to understand that there is a psychological warfare going on just as there was with me. Now the difference in my opinion, and this is all my experience in my opinion is that with my ex-husband's family and, you know, and even the, the psychiatrists, the mental health practitioners, they're, they're unconscious, right? They're not aware. The difference in opinion is the people that are running the agenda, they are at a different level. I would call them a psychopath because psychopaths are highly aware of what they're doing. They are aware that their actions are causing harm. Everybody else in my past is not at that level. They are not evil people. They are just very, very severely wounded. Um, or like you said, they bought into their indoctrination, their studying, their schooling as a practitioner. They really do believe that they're out yeah. to do you know, the best for people. That is a whole different scenario from the people actually running this agenda. Um, they are on the level of psychopathy. They know what they're doing. They are very, very skilled at understanding how to um, you know, psychologically manipulate people at a really, really deep level. Um, and so it was, you know, these parallels and that's what I find fascinating, even in my brain, as I unpack, you know, all of this daily, I'm like, this is still matching up. You know, what I went through is still matching up how I felt, how I kept myself asleep, how I anesthetized and tamped down my, you know, consciousness, trying to rise by, you know, staying in an abusive situation by taking drugs by altering my state in order to stay involved in that is what I see people doing out in the macrocosm. They are terrified on a really deep subconscious level to look at what they need to look at, that they are being violated. Um, there is a you know depopulation agenda going on. It's too scary for people to look at just as it was too scary for me to look at that when I was involved in that. So that's where it's um, it, it really is. It's, and it's really been, very powerful because I have a lot of people that I follow in the narcissistic abuse community who also see that. You know, these coaches and mentors of mine, they're like, this is the same thing. They can we can all see it lining up. Mm. But but people that are unaware, you know, you're just unaware of it.
1: Mm. Yes, that's beautifully articulated and terrifying at the same time yeah. to to realize that, like you said, the, the other people may be acting unconsciously, but these people are doing everything clinically. You know, yes. purposefully manipulating us on every level. Uh, I totally agree with you. But uh, and as you become more awakened and more aware, at least this is true for me. I feel a deep sense of responsibility. Yes. You know, not not everybody is going to have the opportunity or the means or the resources or the timing, whatever it is, to to awaken. Perhaps the way you and I are, and so it's okay. Then it becomes okay. What can I do? And this is my primary mission now. Like I'm a father as well. It's like my primary question I ask myself every day is how can I use my voice, my power, my essence, my creativity to fundamentally make the world a better place and whatever that looks like, you know, and this podcast is, is one of those manifestations. Um, but for somebody maybe who's thinking, okay, well, what is she talking about? Who are these people? Who is this? These powerful elites? It's it's too big of a conspiracy for them all to be in on it. Like these are common uh, things I hear when you know, we talk about this sort of corruption and this level of psychopathy. To you, who is pulling the strings right now?
0: So I, I want to make a point really fast too, if I could. Uh, of course, I see a lot of people like you and I criticized. Um, obviously, we're you know thrown under the bus. And and that's really again a very um strategic move, you know, on people's parts. They they basically don't want people to have independent thought. A mm-hmm. group think is a very real concept of um, you know, if you have 10 people in a room. And someone, you know, says something bad is going to happen. The other nine are going to say, you know, get out of here. You're crazy. And eventually that last person is going to fold and agree with the group, you know, the beehive mentality. Um, But in my opinion, again, my research and even my intuition, um, I I think it is the, um, a, a section of society, you know, I'm going to go out on a limb and people will think I'm nuts and I will disagree with you because are they of human form? I, I don't know. You know, I am not so egocentric that I think that humans are the only life form. But I do believe that there are, are infinite possibilities. I believe that there are other entities and beings out there. Can they come down to Earth and appear normal? Absolutely. There's a lot of people walking around. Ted Bundy seemed very normal. Um, you know, he he was extremely. Um, charismatic and people were really attracted to him, but he was very, very harmful and dangerous at the same time. So I, I don't trust, um, that, you know, things at, are as they look, I don't trust just based on appearances. I trust based on intuition and this deep knowing that I have inside. Um, but I do believe that it is the billionaire class. I believe that they have hijacked all levels of society. So they mm-hmm. are in charge of our media. And you can go and do research and you can find that I think there's six media companies that own or six corporations that own all of the media um, in the entire world. So we are they are basically running a narrative. Um, there was I think it's called the Smith Munson Act that was um, instituted in when, the 40s, maybe that did not allow um, news media's to um Put out propaganda for the government and that was repealed i think in 2008 um and so basically the government is allowed to put out false information uh, to us and they cannot be held accountable for that so, so everything you're hearing is not necessarily true maybe what you want to hear to keep you you know sufficed but it's it's not necessarily the truth um, mm. they have, uh, they have um, look at the billionaire corporations that as we've shut down the mom and pop, small businesses, independent businesses. I think, you know, I think 60% of those have closed permanently now. Um, the billionaire corporations like Walmart, Target, um, you know, all of those have stayed open and not only open, they've amassed much, much more wealth in the last year. Um, you know, we are going to digital currency where they control the banking, they will control all the credit and how we are able to access our money. Um, they can Food. I just read last week that Bill Gates is the largest farmland owner in the United States. Um, that's interesting because he's a, I thought he was a tech guy. Um, you know, and now he's a farmer all of a sudden. So it's 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 this corrosion, this collusion. Um, they control our healthcare care system. Um, our government is in bed. The pharmaceutical industry has more lobbyists than any other. Um, corporation or um, you know industry out there, they uh, go in and spend. I want to say it's like I mean I know it's billions of dollars on just on just on lobbying and and understand that lobbying means that they are actually coming in. The pharmaceutical company companies are coming in and lobbying again with our political officials, our elected officials that are there to represent us to change laws to benefit the pharmaceutical industry these people control, control the healthcare industry they control hollywood um hollywood is been kind of a red pill for me hollywood is not an entertainment industry it is an industry that is there to indoctrinate us um brainwashing predictive programming they will put out something a few years earlier handmaid's tale came out with masks and and you know you we become kind of Desensitized to that. And we're like, is it horrifying as it is, as horrifying as it was to watch Handmaid's Tale? Well, now we're all living that in many ways, but we're accustomed to it because we saw it on a show. And I want to make a point Mm really, too. The lady that wrote Handmaid's Tale, they're like, well, it was a book. You know, they took a book and they, yes. And I also believe that people like that are involved in this system too. So they set these types of um, you know, books, propaganda, media out there. I'm um, just kind of drop a hint or drop something so that our, our subconscious will be more accept, accepting of it when it comes into our reality, if that makes sense. So mm. it's, a, it's an entire web religion. They control, um, you know, the Vatican, things like that. It's an entire webbed system that I call it the matrix that starts at each of our births, Patrick, by applying these tentacles of conditioning. You know, you get a birth certificate, you're born in a hospital, you're not allowed to be born somewhere else, you get vaccinated, you go into this school system, They control the education system. So it's it's just this very thick web that um, we are all under until you either reject it or you are ejected from it, is what I call it.
1: Mm. And what's the difference? Well, ejected you know, and rejected so
0: I was ejected from it. Um, some people are raised uh and they you know in a in a household where their parents already know their parents are already awakened, you know they already understand what's going on, how the system works, they stay you know they they reject t v they reject fast foods, things like that. So I call those people mm. you know someone awakened and they reject it. I was ejected from the system, I was horribly abused. Um, and almost killed by it. So I was, you know, ejected from it. And then I ejected myself too, and now I rejected. if that makes sense. So um, that's the difference between the two.
1: Hey, are you feeling lost? Anxious? Frustrated by the state of the world? I get it. The world is a pretty messed up place right now. Maybe you're even distracting yourself from the pain with things like alcohol, social media, Netflix, gambling, shopping. I know, I did it for years. This is why I've made it my mission to support brave souls just like you in taking back creative control of your life, finding a deeper sense of purpose, and building a solid foundation of certainty even in such uncertain times. This is exactly why I have created the Fuck Yes Club, a six-week online journey for badasses who are ready to supercharge their powers of manifestation as the conscious creators of their own reality. This program is for people who are tired of living in uncertainty and fear, sick of living up to somebody else's standards, fed up with not fulfilling their highest potential. This is for the people who are ready to tap into their infinite well of creative power and start creating the life they have always wanted. We are in the midst of a massive transition. Great change is upon us, and we're being called to grow and evolve in ways that we may have been avoiding. Is it your time? Are you ready? There are only two answers here, people. No and fuck yes. If you are in the fuck yes category, then immediately go to www.thefuckyesclub.com right now for more information and to secure your spot. Now, back to the show. So you were talking about the matrix, and I think that's worth uh, unpacking a little further, so so people can understand how pervasive and and all encompassing it is. And then I want to move to sort of what are some steps we can be taking as individuals, and then as communities, as families to sort of exit the matrix or go beyond the the conditioning. Um, I've heard it described scarily so uh, and articulated beautifully um, by a woman, Catherine Aust- Austin Fitz. I don't know if you're familiar with her work. Yeah. Um, but the sort of the five tiers of the matrix being uh, the pharmaceutical interest industry, the big tech companies, the military, uh, the media, and the central bankers. All of them working independently um, to for us to not sort of... Um, tie them together or connect the dots to see that they're actually all working towards one ultimate goal. And so the pharmaceutical companies are coming in with the vaccines that are genetically altering us and, and, and antidepressants are keeping us stupid and numbed out. Uh, the tech companies are, are rolling out like 5g platforms and cloud technology, uh, which will be used for digital surveillance. The military is launching the satellites that, that, um, aid in that. And then the bankers, of course, like you mentioned, are creating the digital currency. So this will all be centralized in a surveillance state of digital slavery, basically, technocracy, where we are serfs in a neo feudal system, uh, which is absolutely terrifying when you sort of uh, you know, zoom out and sort of get that big perspectives, like, holy shit, this is moving in that direction, very quickly. Mm-hmm. And s- most people 99% of people don't see it. And so again, once you sort of uh, have this perspective, it, it comes with a sense of responsibility, at least for me is like a oh, holy shit, what can I do, you know, and that can immediately be overwhelming. And just like I can ju- I can't do anything like I'm just gonna, you know, go to the beach and have a margarita and just forget mm-hmm. about it, because I can't, you know, I feel disempowered and i think a lot of people as individuals feel disempowered but and part of my primary message is that's not the case we've been programmed to believe that we're um not powerful as individuals when the opposite is the case and you're a testament to it look at what how you've changed your life around um in that regard so moving back to sort of when you were in you were having those aha moments uh, around abuse with with the people you were working with, what were the first steps you took? you know maybe it's getting off pharmaceuticals or starting to love yourself more or, or cultivating se- self awareness What are some steps that people can take if they're in that position
0: so um that's a great question it it is a, a process
1: uh, it's a process
0: where <laughs> very, very worthwhile it's a lifetime process, but it it is uh, You know, I think the first thing for me was was, yeah, coming off the drugs. Um, Certainly, I always want to say that if if someone is taking drugs, you never want to stop taking them abruptly. Um, These drugs, you become biochemically and physically addicted to them. And I actually did two cold turkey withdrawals. And it was um, I, I think that the withdrawals were so intense. Um, for me, especially the, the benzodiazepine cold Turkey withdrawal, I did, they say that's worse than coming off heroin. Mm. The way I did it, I want to point out, I still think even four or five years later, I think I have cognitive damage, um, because it was that intense. So you never want to stop taking these drugs abruptly at all. You always want to, I can't even say that you work out with a doctor because doctors are just now beginning to admit that coming off these drugs is harmful um, mm. you can go to like inner compass initiative, Lord Delano has some tapering, um, you know, help on there. Um, you, you want to come up with a taper schedule and, and work your way off of them. So I had to put that out there because it can be really, really dangerous. Yep. Um, certainly for me coming off of the drugs was, um, the first step and then changing my diet was a second step. Honestly, before I even got to the trauma or abuse, I changed my diet Profoundly. I mean, I was someone that, you know, 10 years ago I had Oreos for my cookie, for my kids in the, you know, in the cart, um, McDonald's, French fries, Big Macs, um, Happy Meals. And um, my, our bodies aren't constituted, no one's body is constituted to eat that way. It's not possible. Mm -hmm. Um, You cannot achieve good health and eat like that at all. Um, Even like a little bit, in my opinion. Um, so that was my second thing was to, to profoundly change my diet. I am very much attracted now to food with a high energy vibration. It's just something my body naturally resonates with. Um, mm. really, it wasn't easy at first. I can remember doing a, uh, cause I knew I had candida or something going on in my body, you know, like 10 years ago. And I can remember trying to do a sugar detox where you'd go like 30 days without sugar. I couldn't do it. I mean, I can right. make it like two days, even, even that you know, without having succumbing to sugar and sugar is a drug. It's a, it's an absolute drug. Um, and so, but I, my point is, is that if, if you can just not necessarily cut out sugar right away, but in little ways, start shifting your diet to more of a healthy, I, mean, I think Tom Cowan or someone else says, if you, you know, if your grandparents wouldn't eat it, then don't eat it. You know, if they would eat it hundred years ago, it shouldn't be eaten now, or if it has to be on a label, it shouldn't be eaten. You know, we should be eating organic, you know, vegetables, greens, organic grass-fed meats, things like that. So the second thing I did was I changed my diet and I really got very, very conscious about what was going into my body. Um, The third thing for me was understanding the nature of, you know, what had happened to me. And that was really more as a result of wanting to feel better. I I just, um, you know, I had no other option. I tried to kill myself. That didn't work. Um, truly. And, um, and I, you know, my only other option was to heal because uh, I could not live. It was like, either I was going to die. And I tried that. I, it's very difficult to kill yourself or I was going to have to figure out what was wrong with me. And so that was the the wall that I hit. And so um, I started really working on my abuse, understanding um, that that really shifted over time into what did I contribute to this? Yes, I'm a victim. You know, yes, I was abused. Yes, that was wrong. But how did I play a part? Because if I went in, Patrick, and was like, "Ah, oh, I'm a victim." That was bull crap. What these people did to me, and I didn't do the internal work to understand the part that I played in it. I'm destined to repeat that. I'll be right back in it because that's the pattern that I'm attracted to. So it was really understanding what level of responsibility and self accountability do I have in my healing. To understand what role I played, because if I understand the role that I played, then I also can learn how to break it. Mm. Otherwise, we're powerless and we're left to just be like I'm a victim all the time and go right back into something like that. So mm. it was, you know, understanding how I could heal, but at my own like accountability, my own level of responsibility. What do I have to contribute to this, and what am I responsible for, you know, in my healing? Then mm. it was really. Then it became very important for me to speak my truth and everybody's way of helping. You know, like you have your podcast and all the beautiful work that you do, everybody's way of helping is different. You know, people come on and they're like, Oh, I'm so envious of you because you can share or you can talk. That's just the way that's what works for me, you know, and it, it, it doesn't work for you. That doesn't mean that you're not contributing. If you were a mom, you know, out raising your children. Um, to, you know, not be indoctrinated by the TV and, and to teach them how to work with their emotions and love and respect nature and, you know, have animals or, you know, that's, that's a gift. You're giving back to this planet. So mm-hmm. all are coming in different forms, you know, to help out in our own way. Uh, but it, it became really, really important for me to give back is it? I can tell it was for you. Um, and mm-hmm. it became very, very profound um, for me to understand you know my role and my mission here on this planet is a big one. Um, and I came here to not play small um, and there's a really big task in front of all of us um, that are awake to this to you know I kind of I kind of liken it to um, when my whole family was falling apart due to these unconscious patterns. I remember thinking this is like watching an active car crash with people dying. And I can't do anything about it. I feel absolutely powerless to help my kids, you know, my ex-husband, myself. It was like watching people die, you know, and you can't do anything about it. And that's what I kind of like in this too now is we are watching people be so brainwashed um, and, and embedded in this matrix, this web of deceit that they don't even really know they don't know they're in it. And yet we're powerless to really do anything about it. But we're not. But, you know, what I mean, it's kind of that feeling of, like, powerless. Like, oh, my God, this is this is actually happening. Like, this is yeah. saying what's going on. And how are people not seeing this? Um, so that was really, really important for me to, to start sharing my story and building a life around my life that was holistic and loving and very much the antithesis of how I was raised or what I was, you know, embedded in. Um, and then after that, it became... It's kind of evolving into finding like minded people um and and finding a tribe of people that um, you know vibes the same way. Maybe we don't agree on all things, but we agree on you know life being direct, honest, being an in integrity, um you know taking care of our bodies. We reject this. We identify and acknowledge the system that is there, um and we reject it. and we are choosing to consciously, you know create. Um, our own, our own, um, you know, our own world, our own future here. Mm. So those are kind yeah. of the things that I think are, you know, really important um, to dismantling this. But I want to go back. There's a level of self accountability that I think is is crucial. And I know I focused on that. I really want to say totally, it's critical um, for people. I see a lot of, um, people now with different movements, whether it's, you know, trans movement or a, some type of social activism movement, BLM, um, the Me Too movement for, you know, women. I was posting about Me Too because I was an abused, you know, female. Mm. Um, but I, I think there's a level of what they've been able to craftily do, Patrick, is really um, hook people's victimhood and, and really get people to stay inside that box of being a victim and then they're raging at themselves or they're raging at you know each other um, instead of raging against this big, huge system. Right. That set up systemic racism. They're going to rage against, you know, the average white person and mm. screw you. You did this to me. I want your house because your ancestors not understanding from a much bigger objective level that, no, actually, there were people in place you know, 100, 200 years ago that set systemic racism in place and they, you know, take take necessary means to keep it going, but they're mm-hmm. able to psychologically manipulate it so that we're at each other's throats instead of, you know, uniting together and understanding they're, they're pinning us against each other. So mm-hmm. there's, a, there's a level of self-responsibility that people have got to come into. Yes, I was a victim. Um, yes, it was unfair what happened to me but that's not going to get me anywhere. If I'm going to sit on that horse all day, that's going to get me nowhere. And it's going to keep me feeling miserable. It is very freeing and very empowering to own up to the role that you had, um, in abusive relationships as well. Understanding it was my patterns, understanding that very freeing Patrick, the day that I said to myself, there was not one way, there was no way I would have done it any differently. And there was no way that the people that I was involved with, could have done it any differently. And that really was very, very freeing to me to come into that acceptance of, damn, I did a really freaking good job. You know, those eating disorders I came up with, those suicide attempts, even those psych drugs, I was just trying to stay alive. And I'm here, you know, and I'm Mm -hmm. alive. Um, And now I have a level of consciousness and awareness. And to combine those two, you know, now I'm alive. I'm not dead. It didn't kill me. I gained so much strength and knowledge about myself. And now I have this conscious awareness of this. That's powerful um, when people can step into that and step out of the victimhood, step into self-accountability and start saying, "What, what am I actually here for? What's my purpose on this planet?
1: Mm. So beautifully articulated. I totally agree. Taking full responsibility for everything that happens in your life, even if you have been a victim, is so crucial to uh, regaining your intrinsic power and then operating from that place. And then the, the framing that you mentioned about everything that's happened in my life, if you can reframe it as a mindset of this has all happened for me, this has been necessary for my evolution, even if it was painful, even if it was dark, even if I was abused, it's allowed me to get to this place where I am now. And then there's a choice in that moment, you know, and for me, alcohol was a big part of my life. And I could have easily just said, Oh, I'm going to, keep drinking, drink myself to death and not deal with the the darkness and the fear that I don't want to look at that you were talking about. But I'm in that moment, I made a choice. I'm like, no, that is not why I'm here. Everything that's happened so far has brought me to this place to make this choice. And I'm consciously making this choice to be as impactful and powerful and use my voice for positive change. And that, again, is my mission. And I'm growing into it now, Uh, you know, with support uh, of witnessing people like you out in the world and saying, yes, she's doing it. this is what I'm here for. And, but like, like you said, I want to mention as well, our path or our trajectory is not for everybody and everybody has their own role to play. So finding what your purpose is, what your core values are and questioning all the beliefs that you've been programmed with and really coming to something that feels meaningful for you. And then acting from that place out in the world, it could be, like you said, just being an incredible parent. Or it could be, you know, something else that isn't what we're doing. So I think that was worth it to, to mention as well. Um, I want to just ask you practically, what, what are some techniques and practices that you use right now to stay grounded, healthy, and creative? You mentioned meditation. Is that still part of your practice?
0: You know, it's, it's, I do what I call a living meditation
1: where okay.
0: I'm just out. I don't schedule meditation. I spend a lot of time with my dogs. I have four dogs. And one of them is a rescue dog. And, and she and I have a very, she was very traumatized. And there is a um, really deep connection um, that I have with all my my dogs. And I am obsessed with dogs and plants. Uh, my entire house is full of plants. Not, I mean, not because they're pretty, but because they're, they're living things. And I know that it's a reciprocal you know energy. I take care of them and they're taking care of me. Um, There's something fascinating about taking care of animals and plants to me and living things, nature, Um, Mm. just this vibe that you can get with them. So I stay really, really grounded by them. Um, One thing I do do every day to kind of set my mind straight is I write a post. Uh, You know, when I'm writing posts, yes, it's helping people, um, you know, I think. But really what it's really is, too, is it's me kind of revalidating you know, what I'm seeing, what I'm experiencing, like, no, this is actually what's going on. So in a way, it's kind of like journaling um, for me. And then um, I do, I do exercise. I'm a big person, I believe in exercising, and um, eating healthy. Again, I, I, you know, it's really very cool, Patrick, because for years, I was in this diet culture, like I have to be a certain way, or I have to look, I've got to lose weight. And I was always focused on what I was going to eat, you know, it's costly, like, what am I going to eat tomorrow? What am I going to eat? And it's like now I don't even have to worry about it. I just know as long as my fridge is you know pretty well stocked, I just go make something up. And like food is like secondary; it's definitely necessary, but I'm not obsessed you know with it like I was um, before. So my diet super critical. Drinking lots of water um, is a super critical thing. I, I love taking salt baths. I do Dead Sea salt or organic sea salt baths at least probably four times a week, where I just you know sit and soak um, in them. And um, I just, you know, I really love from this level of consciousness experiencing life and, um, you know, understanding that there's so much more, you know, out there. And that's probably the biggest thing that I would say to someone is, you know, how do they hook people, right? How are they, how is everybody so fearful? And that's what I think is really powerful about someone like me, um, for my reasons of why I'm not hookable anymore is when you have been to that level of you know near death as I was and you've lost everything. Um, you know the fear of death is not there for me any longer. I
1: want to
0: die now because I know I have a role to play here. But it's like I, I'm not scared of that. That doesn't scare me because I I know at a very deep level that death is just a transition. It's not an ending. Um, we are all, you know, energy, and it's just going to be a shift to a different form of energy, uh, and so that doesn't hook me anymore. And I think if people could think about this, if they could no longer scare people or people no longer bought into fear, there'd be no virus. It would be gone. It would. This would be done. We could all, you know, resume a much healthier, you know, life um, if we could get rid of the fear and the trauma. But it's because they are able to hook people on. Fear of death, fear of being exiled from others, fear of not being accepted if you speak out um, or you disagree with groupthink, um, fear of the unknown, and then fear of loss. You know, fear of financial insecurity. It's it's all these different fears that they know very well. Um, they're very adept at it and um, they have been able to hook people on that and that's what's running um, everything going on right now.
1: Mm, yes, and sort of cultivating your own self-awareness is the first step in my opinion to becoming aware of the game that's being played right now because 100%. you it all depends on the lens with which you are viewing reality, right? And if your lens is fogged up with you know, programming, conditioning, fear, traumas, then it's, it's impossible for you to make sense of the world in a meaningful way. And so it is, like you said earlier, each individual's responsibility, in my opinion, to do that work and to become self-aware, to remove all the mud from their lens and to be able to see the world in a clear way and then make a positive impact in it. Yeah. So uh, what is the end game like this they've they've dropped this virus to me this is just another cog in the in the multi-year plan you know this is just okay you know now's the time let's let's push for this new world order digital slavery um, model age, um, agenda 21 or agenda 2030, they're calling it now giving themselves a little more time. Uh, but this is coming full on in my opinion. And it's like the gloves are off to the point where they're not even trying to hide it anymore. It's right. like, they don't, they don't, they don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. So w- in your opinion, what is the end game? Like, where is this going?
0: In, in my opinion, um, it is, it's transhumanism where the, these people want to be immortal. They, for whatever, whatever people, whatever they are, they are looking at immor- immortality, um, really immorality, but immortality, <laughs> and um, basically being like gods. I mean, these people have come in and are playing god. Um, they think they are gods, and people are treating them like gods, and and they really want to replace God. I saw a really very like mind blowing article the other day that um, someone had posted that they have scientists that have now studied and come out with a full-on research paper that the soul level particle cannot, cannot exist. They've been through science. They've been able to determine and conclude that we cannot have a soul, um, that, that human beings don't have a soul. So I'm like this, you know, now you look at that. I'm like, I know what you guys are doing this is funny, but it's really scary because that's what they want is they want to separate us from ourselves, which is God, um, you know, the God within, the God without, they want to separate us from that, that deep knowing, that intuition. They want us to give our brains um, over to them. I posted yesterday that really our brains are the last frontier. they dominate the land, you know, the money, the banks, everything and our brains, the human brain soul is the last frontier for them. That is what they want to conquer now and farm it, right? Like mind farm us, um, and have us all attach to the um, the cloud, really. Um, mm-hmm. where we would be in pods. I know it sounds crazy, um, but we're, we're basically in pods now, Patrick. We're dumbed down. We're sitting at home, immobile, isolated. You know, our biggest deal is watching Real Housewives and all the drama and chaos or Netflix and ordering pizza or takeout, crappy food and having it delivered to our door. I mean, this is what our life is. And we're in a pod right now anyway. So mm-hmm. we'd be in, contained in pods, our minds or whatever would be connected. And we would be you know, floating through this vulture, vulture, uh, virtual reality that they've you know, made up for us. And it's a very twisted. It would be away from nature, away from God, away from each other. Um, and that's all we would know. That is what our kids would come to know. But that's you know, not going to happen because more and more people are awakening. Uh, it's, 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 um, it's going to fail, but it's, it's extremely important that people start doing that individual work, you know, to heal. It's amazing, Patrick, how many people I can see that are awake to what's going on, but they're not awake to the work that they need to do on themselves.
1: Yes. Um, I'm I'm so glad you brought that up. And I think that manifests a lot in sort of the social warrior, Justice people who are going out thinking they're trying to make a, a, a positive impact in the world, but they haven't done the internal work, yeah. so they're really projecting their fear they're projecting yeah. their trauma, they're making shit worse, honestly yeah right so that's for me it's fundamental on the individual level first and then operate, build that foundation, then operate outwards yeah so so if somebody was listening to this and they're like, "What the hell are they talking about? They sound crazy, they sound like tinfoil hat conspiracy theorists. And there will be a lot of those people. And I get it, you know, this is tough to digest. And like you said, it's not fun to look at and it's uncomfortable and it's painful. And that's a big reason why people don't look at it. But if there is some of the people that are sort of on the cusp, we're like, okay, I see, like, I'm beginning to see it. Um, It sucks, but I'm willing to look further. Like, what are some steps they can take towards awakening, towards empowering themselves, towards healing themselves?
0: that's, that's profound because that is where it comes down to really. And you said it perfectly. And I want to make that point. When I was healing Patrick, there was one word. If I go back and look at my old posts, there was one word that kept coming up, you know, three years ago, awareness, -awareness, self-awareness, self-awareness. And it's stepping into this level of awareness where you're like, ah, that's, you know, and what happens as we do that is we can step out of, the emotional thinking, right? The trauma bonded, the triggering emotional reactive responses. And we can start as this level of awareness goes up, it's self-awareness, we come to know that at a very, very deep level, this is all going to be okay. Mm-hmm. This is all going to be okay. And what role can I play in here to help, you know, see this through? What, what am I here to crusade for? And so as that level of awareness goes goes higher, our internal being knows that it's all going to be okay. We start to look at it from a much more higher vantage point where we're not down in the trenches screaming and reacting. And we can look at it from a level of responding, you know, understanding what's going on, not reacting to it. And then starting to choose our Victor Frankl said between stimulus and response, there is a space and that Mm -hmm. space is a huge part of my healing because that space is extended. Um, it's gotten bigger. There's so much depth that has grown into it, right? And so now instead of being like a, you know, like a lightning rod, like I've been calped, you know, like lasered or tasered, I, I am able to like, you know, have something come in a stimulus, look at it, unpack it, take some time, and then choose if I'm going to respond. I may not even respond um, to it. So that that's the internal work that people have got to start doing because, again – they're capitalizing, they are weaponizing our fears against us. So people can come in to understand themselves and their awareness and understand that there's really nothing to fear other than what they're creating. Is it scary? Yes, it's very scary. But the whole way they're doing it is by using our minds against us. And that's what happens to people in abusive relationships. Like I said earlier, I was basically turned in on myself, where I was like, you are the problem. I am the problem. And I got to the point where I was like, if I just exit this world, then my family will be fine without me because I'm the problem. Well, I was never the problem. And it was never those people that were the problem. It's the system, you know, that is the problem that people have all bought into. So I I think it's super um, important for people to do the individual work um, and start really coming to know themselves. As far as people though, that are really kind of starting to wake up I really like my account on Instagram. I'm banned from Facebook right now. I can't get back on right now. Um, but I love my account because I consider my account a starter account. It's like a starter pack account because it's very just logic based. It's like, well, why do we do this? So why is it? It's not coming in with very you know high level. I'm not an expert on anything um, in terms of, you know, higher or Illuminati or conspiracy theorist stuff. I'm just asking questions like, why is it this way? And I think I've been able to help a lot of people. Accounts like mine are just intro level accounts where people are like, yeah, why are we doing that? You know, why are allowing liquor stores to be open, but churches to be closed? That doesn't make sense. And so it's cutting through that cognitive dissonance that is created when you're in an abusive situation. And I want to explain that really quickly to people. That's where people are having two different realities collide. So we've got, you know, like, well, I know something weird's going on, but my brain is telling me, no, it's safe. And it's, it's cognitive dissonance. It's extremely painful. Um, it's physically painful. I can remember, you know, when I had it coming out of my relationship, it was physically painful. I can remember my brain hurting um, very much some days because it was so much information to take in. And the realities were so conflicting with one another that I finally, you know, got to that point where I had to drop in, accept that this one was false, which was very painful. But once I moved into acceptance, then that other one just opened up, and that's where you know the real healing started taking place.
1: Mm. Yes, so much goodness and wisdom you just shared right there, and uh, I resonate so deeply with all of it. Um, again, I I've worked with um, alcoholics or people in addiction, and a lot of them say it's a common phrase to hear that they feel like they don't belong in this world. Yeah. And what you said earlier about it, you know you come into this world and you immediately are uh, indoctrinated. Yeah. You know you're born in a hospital, you're vaccinated, and then you're you you're so neuroplastic that you're learning uh, the world from the people around you. You have to. That's the way we survive. And so you're immediately indoctrinated, and then you get programmed with all this unconscious beliefs of your your ancestors, and then the fear and the trauma. And then you never question any of those beliefs or those programs. You go into adult life, you get married, you have kids, and you still haven't questioned them. You're operating unconsciously. And I think that's important for people to understand, and that's exactly what we're talking about. I call it widening the gap, what you were talking about earlier, between stimulus and response. Yes. you know, And that's where all your power is. When Absolutely. You, you're, you're no longer controlled by those un- unconscious, indoctrinated programs of fear or conditioning or beliefs or whatever they are and reacting to them. Now you have that power space where you can make a conscious choice and that's where all of your power is because you can literally change the neurons that have been firing in this direction and start firing in that direction that's like changing your biochemistry in the brain like with just with your intention and your consciousness that is how powerful we are and so uh, another thing i wanted to talk about in, in in that vein of how powerful we are and then how you, once you start tapping into that power, how effective you can be in the world. One thing that I've sort of tripped over lately is because I'm so powerful at manifesting that becoming aware of the problem space and how dire it is and really, you know, leaning into it and helping other people to understand it. Am I in a way proliferating it? Am I empowering it to manifest by giving it my attention? You know, and this is more on a metaphysical, spiritual, energetic level. What would you say to that?
0: So you're saying, am I like by acknowledging that, am I raising it? Yeah. I mean, I think that's a really good question. I have a lot of people that come in and, um, very high level people, you know, I would consider them very evolved and they're like, oh, well, you're focusing too much on this. You're actually manifesting it. And I,
1: I exactly. a
0: thousand percent disagree with that because in order to acknowledge something, in order to fix something, we have to acknowledge the problem first. So that yeah. you really Easy thread to get into where you can almost kind of get into a toxic positivity where we're actually denying what's going on. Um, and, and also to understand, not to make it dualistic, but it is dualistic in many ways. We have, you know, darkness and goodness going on right now. Um, in order to know what's going on, you have to understand your enemy. And so I have to acknowledge, I have to acknowledge the darkness of myself. I have totally. To acknowledge that there's parts of me that are very dark. Um, that I need to work on my shadow sides and to not acknowledge that and stay in this toxic positivity is really a mind, you know, fuck to me that you, you have to acknowledge that it's there. Um, Otherwise, it will, you know, can kind of weave its way through you and you're not even acknowledging anymore. So to me, it's really important, especially an account like mine, again, because I have been a victim of that. You know I have been a victim of very dark evil things that happened to me or people you know unconscious that wanted to you know take me down and and i I have to acknowledge that that happened again acknowledge there's parts of me that are like that too and that's how you um you know are able to um you know go against that or you know um, thrive really is to understand their there's there's something very powerful about being able to go into the level of darkness, right, and understand. I, I said this last week. I, um, you know, my experiences have taught me to be fluent in darkness, but I choose to speak, you know, goodness. I, I choose oh. to speak, um, you know, light because, but I but I know how to speak darkness uh, because I've been there. I can see it in you, I can see it in other people if I choose to, you know what I mean? And so I acknowledge that it's there, but I choose to speak um, you know, in goodness and light, but I still know that the darkness is there. I'm very, you have to be aware of it. Uh, you mm. know that it's there and acknowledge that it's there.
1: Yeah, and be okay with it because it's part of you. The darkness is part of you. Yeah. And again, I think that's one reason why people don't look at their darkness because they're they're scared of it. They're like, oh, that's uncomfortable. That's I don't want it. I just want to push it away. I want it to go away. Yeah. But you know, when I work with clients, it's like, okay, well, let's let's shift our perspective. Let's let's put on our headlamp and get curious about it. Yeah. Let's go into the caves of our soul and and explore with curiosity and compassion because yeah. it is part of us. Yeah. And Absolutely. then when you do that, you you allow whatever's there, and it's it's usually a childhood suppressed trauma or something that is, you know, uh, initially there to try and keep you safe, a survival mechanism that is still operating. That's not useful for you anymore. It's not serving you anymore. And so once you give it the light of your awareness and you appreciate it and say, thank you for keeping me safe. I don't need you anymore. Then it's, it has an opportunity to be released and, and integrated into your being. Right? So frame,
0: such a frame. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and then I think what you also said is being becoming aware of your darkness. I think it was Jung who said, you know, the tree, the roots have to grow all the way to hell in order for you to grow to heaven. You know, and and when that's what he's describing. You have to recognize your capacity for evil or, and darkness in order for you to fully step into the light because you need that contrast. And I think uh, that perfectly describes what you were saying earlier about understanding the problem space as far as the dark forces that are at play in the world right now fully and appreciating my own capacity or capability to uh, proliferate that darkness. Like there's evil within all of us. We're capable, given the right conditions of, you know, look at Nazi Germany, how many people were just following orders, but, you know, committing Grave acts of atrocity. You know, we're capable of it given the right conditions, but it's up to us to choose. But understanding our darkness is the prerequisite for moving into the light. And I, I think that on an individual level, and then on the macro level, understanding the darkness and the capability of these people to implement the, the madness that they're trying to implement, and then being able to shift and envision a brighter and lighter future. That's maybe a good question. What, what does the opposite look like? What does an, an empowered, conscious, beautiful earth look like to you?
0: Oh, I think we're we're finding that. I think we're we're each finding people that we really resonate with, you know, in groups and um you know people that feel very old, like old connections, you know to us. Um, and uh, it's it's a it, it, I, it's almost kind of like I don't know if you've experienced this, I'm sure you have. It's almost like the way I'm even physically viewing the world. Um is shifting into it's a, it's a very odd um, kind of uh, the world is actually appearing different to me now. and I'm feeling much more embodied in light, um, fullness, goodness, kindness, integrity. I can really feel very strong chords of, of, of a unity that is appearing uh, mm-hmm. between people that are like-minded or that are, or they're just you know, there's really and People are like, oh, you leave people out. And it's like, no, I don't leave people out. But the one common denominator for all of this is just to choose truth. You just want to choose truth. That's that's all it is. And truth means dark, light, everything. But it's just dealing in truth um, and understanding that, you know, you came here to be truth. You are truth. Um, and living in that truth is what is so important. And that's what I really see evolving as these Just like in my life, all of that falseness, you know, was eradicated eventually. I know that the same thing will happen on the macrocosm where the falseness and the darkness will be eradicated. Yes, we will still have darkness, but it will be based in truth. Um, And so that's where I think we're moving into a much more evolved, um, you know, world, planet, universe, um, reality, um, where we um, each have our own accountability to self. That we come together in truth and unite uh, under that.
1: Mm, yeah. And you mentioned earlier about uh, building global community and that's been uh, huge for me is seeking out people who are, you know, on the same path that are, are moving in the same direction. And so we can, we can uh, support each other. Um, and <laughs> another colleague, friend, mentor um, gave me another piece of information that was sort of very hopeful for me in, in that there is a conscious awakening going on. It's obviously slow. We have been in slumber, unconscious slumber for millennia or, you know, entire existence. And so it's going to take some time, but at the same time, it's not going to require everybody on the planet to awaken all at one time. Like it's going to reach a tipping point of people who are awakening in order because the people who are trying to run the world are few comparatively to the many of us. Yeah. And so the more of us that can awaken, the more we move towards that tipping point. And some days I feel like we've already passed it. And it's just, it's a matter of it playing out now, you know, where the forces of good and positivity and love and truth do win over the deception and the the madness and the psychopathy. So it gives me, it, it helps me get out of bed every morning, continue to do my work. That is that fundamental hope and positivity that I am on the cutting edge of consciousness, making a difference. And that feels like, um, a powerful purpose and mission to me. So, uh, Ali, this has been so amazing. I'm so grateful for you coming on and sharing your magic and your wisdom. Uh, I just have one more question for you. If you were to take all of your experiences, all your knowledge, all your wisdom gained and distill it into one message or one sentence, what would it be?
0: Um, it's, you know, it's really very very basic we are we are here to love um, and love is you know it's a verb yes but it's also just it's a feeling it's a way of being um to step into um the feeling of um it encompasses so many you know different words peace um unity um you know partnering with people um understanding yourself that's what the word you know love means to me And, um, we, we are, you know, dropped, we come in below the veil and it is our life's work to, you know, raise ourselves. And and for many of us it's through a lot of pain. Um, but that is where we are able to, you know, start to lift that veil and start to see there's something that, um, Bible verse that I've known my entire life, Patrick, and it's interesting because it's always stuck with me always since I was tiny and it's, um, Corinthians 4:13, through a glass darkly, and then we shall come to know face to face. And that to me is you know the visual of we're below the veil. We, we're not really seeing the true God in us, the co-creator, um, and then the God externally, we're veiled. They, they want that's what they want to keep from us. And so as we continue to do the work and we ask for help um, and we meet other people that are like-minded like us, that veil continues to lift for, for us. And that's where we step into love.
1: Mm. Amazing. So powerful. Is there anything uh, you want to add? Anything I didn't ask you about that you'd like to share?
0: No, I, th- I think... Um,
1: We've covered some good ground.
0: Yeah, I was really nice <laughs> meeting you. Yeah, it was very... I loved it. It was really good. I thought we had a good vibe, so...
1: Absolutely. And I would love to have you back on the show as a regular guest because I really I resonate would with love your message. That. I would love yeah, that. Man. Yeah. Amazing. Do you want to let people know where they can find you online?
0: You know, just on my right now, I'm coming out with two different podcasts in the next couple of months. Um, My one podcast is going to be called Altered States. It's the ways in which we alter our states, either consciously or unconsciously, um, to, you know, survive. And then um, I have another website coming out called wethefreed.com, where we'll be looking at ways we can free ourselves um, from different things. And uh, then just on Instagram and Telegram, those are the main ways. Uh, that people can find me, just Allie.Zek. I have a few
1: accounts on Instagram. Amazing. I will, of course, put all those uh, links in the show notes. Allie, Zek, thank you so much for your time and energy and sharing your magic and wisdom today. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And if you enjoyed the show, please do subscribe, rate, and review. For more information and show notes, head on over to being-podcast.com. We'll see you next time. And remember... Live your being.